Good morning, or at whatever time you may be watching this video or listening to this recording as we continue in the book of Philippians. These classes in Philippians are brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. I'm Warren Berkeley. Let's get right back into our study. In this session, we are back into Philippians in chapter 3. In our last class, we were in chapter 3, and time caught us in the middle of the thought at verse 3. So I'd like to read verses 1 through 11 in Philippians chapter 3, and then we will resume our study in verse 4. So this is Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers... Rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for dogs. Look out for evil workers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, but... Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Historical explanation is necessary when approaching passages like this in the New Testament. There was a recurring problem among churches and Christians in the first century. There were many Jews who believed the promised Messiah was Jesus, but they refused to give up the statutes of the Old Testament and the customs of Judaism. So you had some militant Jewish men who claimed to follow Christ, but they were demanding that Gentiles essentially become Jews in order to be good Christians. It, to us, it sounds almost bizarre, but these militant Jewish men would travel around, sometimes following Paul and other preachers from place to place, and when Gentile men were converted, they would insist these men comply with the Mosaic ritual of circumcision. 
in effect demanding that Gentiles virtually become Jews in order to be accepted as Christians. The Apostle Paul taught firmly against this. He said many times that literal circumcision was not a condition of fellowship with God. The old Mosaic law and the traditional system of Judaism has no bearing on your spiritual status. That's what Paul said. You obey the gospel, you become a Christian, you follow the teachings of the apostles, nothing else is imposed on you. These men who were spreading this heavy-handed Jewish spin on the gospel were placing confidence in the flesh. Paul teaches here the people who can have genuine confidence are those who worship God and glory in Christ Jesus. The message is, the main idea here is, you don't have to become a Jew. Just be a Christian. Now, Paul wants to make this point. If anyone claims that their Jewish background gives them standing before God, consider my case, Paul says. But note that I gave all of that up for Jesus Christ. Listen again, verses 4 through 11. Listen to Paul review his past and then make the transition into his present life in Christ. I'm reading 4 through 11. Paul says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Uh, this is one of the strongest arguments against the Judaizers ever made in the New Testament because it is personal. Paul says, I've been there. I used to boast about how Jewish I was. But whatever gain I had in that Jewish resume and those human badges of honor, I gave all that up to be a Christian. And that's what I am now, just a Christian. As we go through this, you'll see this strong argument emerging against the Jewish men who were agitating and troubling Christians.
Let's talk about the Apostle Paul before he became a Christian. He had a quite impressive resume. As a well-known Jewish man, a Pharisee, known for his militance, circumcised according to the law, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, many considered to be one of the more religious tribes, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in his interest in an application of the law of Moses and the laws of Judaism, a strict, conservative Pharisee. Zeal was at a high level, a persecutor of the church, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. What is implied here is, Paul wants everybody to know if confidence in the flesh were important, I would be at the top level. I would be closer to God than anyone else. But here's where this is headed, from his Jewish past to his Christian present. Verse 7. Listen to verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. In the New Living Translation, here's the way it's worded. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Have you ever been in this kind of situation where you think you have something great only to discover something so much better that you throw away what you had? that you used to think was so great. This is the way it was with Paul, with the Apostle Paul. I'm sure there were times when he thought I couldn't be any higher. It couldn't get any better. I have arrived. I'm at the top of my game. People celebrate me, talk about me. I'm famous. I'm holy. Surely God is pleased with me. Then he met Jesus Christ, face to face, and he heard the gospel. What was his previous gain, he now gave up for what he found in Christ. What was his previous gain, he now gave up because of what he found in Jesus Christ. The commentator Albert Barnes wrote about Philippians 3 and verse 7. The advantages of birth, of education, and of external conformity to the law, I thought these to be gained, that is to be a vast advantage in the matter of salvation. I valued myself on these things and supposed that I was rich in all that pertained to moral character and to religion. Barnes is paraphrasing Paul. Barnes goes on to say, perhaps also he refers to these things as laying the foundation of a hope of future advancement in honor and wealth in this world. They commend him to the rulers of the nation. They opened before him a brilliant prospect of distinction. They made it certain that he would rise to post of honor and of office and could easily gratify all the aspirings of his ambition. But then he said, those I counted loss. 
I now regard them all as so much loss, he's paraphrasing Paul. They were really a disadvantage, a hindrance, an injury. I look upon them not as gain or an advantage, but as an obstacle to my salvation. Barnes says he had relied on these things. He had been led by these things to an improper estimate of his character and his status and his standing before God. I think Barnes captures it well. In Philippians 3, Paul recites his Jewish past, the high attainments in the Jewish religion, in contrast to what he found in Christ and his present life as a Christian. I want you to listen to verses 8 through 11. Verses 8 through 11. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We're going to spend some time here in verse 8. Let's look for a moment at that phrase, count everything as loss. If you have the NIV, I consider everything a loss. Now, when you have these words so close together in verses 7 and 8, gain, loss, counting, and in some translations, profit, your thoughts move toward economics or finance. This is the language of accounting. This is similar to an expression we use today, take a loss. Now, you don't take a loss just for no reason. In optimal conditions, you take a loss for seeing some gain. You give up something because there's something to be gained. I took a loss when I sold a rental property in Houston many years ago. What I gained was peace of mind. Now think of Paul who had gained status, reputation, standing in Judaism. But what was all of that compared to the excellence of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? It was nothing. This past Jewish resume, it was rubbish. So he took a loss, but for the greatest kind of gain. He gave up the wrong kind of religion, to embrace the right kind of religion, relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He counted his past attainments in religion as rubbish to gain Christ in his life. When you talk to people who are not Christians and they've heard the gospel, but they're holding back, really they're not holding back they're holding on to something. They're holding on to something. A former religion, 
popularity, family religious connection, the cares of this world, some preferred sin. It's not that the alien sinner is holding back, really. They are holding on to something they're not willing to give up. Paul held on to his status in Judaism until he found Christ. Then he gave it up to be a Christian, to have the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In this context, he wants the Christians in Philippi to know what they might hear from the Judaizers is false. It devalues Christ. It defies the whole concept of conversion to Jesus Christ. Listen, please, to verses 10 and 11. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Here again, we come to this beautiful concept of knowing Christ. And I should repeat here that the word know in this setting means more than just an awareness that there is this person, Jesus Christ. To know Christ is more than merely knowing the facts about his life or the teachings he spoke. To know him in the sense of this verse means you love him and you know that he loves you personally, and you respond. Your relationship with the Father is based on your response to Jesus Christ, your abiding in Jesus Christ, your devotion to him. This knowledge goes beyond academic. As it describes one's personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, Paul gave up his former attainments because he valued what God was offering to all men in Jesus Christ. Now, here, Paul says he wanted to know him and the power of his resurrection. Let's pause there a moment. The power of his resurrection, adding that to what we're looking at. There are two ways we can know the power of his resurrection. One is at conversion, because at conversion... We are raised from the death of sin to life with God through Christ. Read about that thoroughly in Ephesians 1, verse 15, over into Ephesians 2 and verse 7. Secondly, we will eventually know the power of his resurrection in another way when we are raised from the dead. 1 Thessalonians 4.14 do you see why Paul gave up his previous religion, his high status in that Jewish religion? When he came to full conviction about who Jesus Christ was, he wanted to trust and obey him. He wanted to know him and the power of his resurrection. Paul had sufficient evidence that Jesus was and is Messiah. Two more phrases in verse 10, and I want to include verse 11. The fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. 
Paul, as we have previously noted in other classes, did not consider suffering for Christ as punishment, a bad deal, something to be resented. It was a privilege. He wanted to attain to it. He wanted to be conformed to his death, that is to die with the same purpose and spirit. Jesus died to save people. While Paul could not duplicate that death or repeat the atonement, he wanted to be like Christ in every way he could. He gave up his former religious attainments for all that he could have in Christ, and ultimately he wanted to attain to the resurrection from the dead, to be raised from the dead with the others who died in the Lord. The power that brought Jesus back to life will someday bring Christians up from the grave. It should be our purpose to be united with Christ from now until then, that happy day. My wrap-up, we covered verses 10 and 11 you see there on the slide that should have been in advance a minute ago, but we're ready for our wrap-up. I want to use this statement, and I'll carefully explain. High Orthodox religious pedigree does not give anyone standing with God. Now, I've used some terms that may not be familiar. Let me explain. You may have, before your birth, respected religious pedigree. At such a high level, you begin to depend on it. You may hear someone say something like, my ancestors were church-going, Bible-believing folks way back four generations. My dad was an elder. His dad was an elder. My uncle was a preacher. There were preachers in every generation of family going way back into the 1800s. And by the way, I'm not talking about myself here. I'm quoting something often heard. This passage answers such claims. High Orthodox religious pedigree does not give anyone standing with God. Standing with God comes through the activity of my faith in Christ. Number two, Paul was not a conservative in the sense of hanging on to what had always been simply because it had always been. Again, I've worded that a little awkwardly, and I know I've used a trigger word. Conservative, by dictionary definition, means averse to change, holding on to what's always been held to. That definition doesn't apply in some cases. There is a political and religious use of the word that most of us might claim. What I'm saying is, Paul was not a conservative in the sense of hanging on to what had always been his religion simply because it had always been his religion. When he found truth, when he found the new and living way, he gave up the old and dying way to gain Christ. And I simply want to say that's admirable. When I discover I've been wrong, I would hope I'll give up wrong 
and I'll fully embrace what is right. Just because we've believed something or been attached to something for a long, long time does not prove it is right. So much is packed into these verses in Philippians chapter 3. After you have finished the video or you've listened to the recording, may I recommend you take just a few more moments and go back and read through the text in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 11. Examine yourself, pray about that, and then mark it down that you'll join us next time. And thank you so much for being here.